Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to blow some stuff up, right? And thankfully, it's July 4th. We get to do that, right? <laughs> Till midnight. And yeah, all of you people that do that way late. Uh, but no, hey, my name is Pastor Scott, and I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, thankful that you could be with us today as we get into week four of our At The Movies series. And as you've heard uh, Pastor Chris and uh, Pastor Ryan last week uh, even say that we are using these movies as a hook, uh, a platform, a springboard to talk about spiritual truth. And this week's movie is Black Widow, which is one of the Avenger movies. I'm a big Avenger fan, so I was excited to get to, uh, to take this movie and be able to use it as our springboard today to talk about uh, a biblical truth and, and biblical truth and how we can apply that to our life. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, this movie actually doesn't come out until this Friday, uh, which is July 9th. And I want to go ahead and make sure you know, if you are a middle school or a high school student, 6th through 12th grade, even a 5th going into 6th grade, this Friday night, I believe it's at 9 o'clock, our student ministry is going to see that movie, and uh, you're invited to come. It's free. You just got to show up, and if you got any questions about that, uh, let Pastor Ryan know. He would love to talk with you about that. You can email him. It's uh, ryan at coastalcommunitychurch.org, uh, but that's this Friday night. Again, I believe it's at 9 p.m., uh, free showing for that movie for any middle school and high school students to get together and go watch that, so make sure you put that uh, on your calendar. Uh, but this movie, Black Widow, this is uh, Scarlett Johansson's character that we've seen in the Avenger movies through years past. Uh, this is kind of her first uh, solo movie. It's her first movie where she plays her character, Natasha Romanoff. And this is actually a movie that kind of goes back a little bit. It's actually a prequel to the Avengers in Infinity War and Endgame movies that came out kind of to almost as like an end cap to the, the years of the Avenger movies. Uh, but it goes back to actually right after the 2016 movie, Captain America Civil War, uh, where we find Natasha Romanoff uh, alone and forced to uh, confront a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past. She's pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down. Now, Romanoff must deal with her shortcomings, uh, her baggage, her fears, and her insecurities, along with her history as a spy and the broken relationships that she has left in her wake long before she became an avenger. She gets to deal with the baggage and the things that are, have been in, in her life that are starting to catch up with her. And uh, there's this idea of how does she get through them? Does she begin to cope with these issues? And all, does she begin to make excuses and to kind of work through these things? And she has all these different fears and insecurities that she has to handle and deal with. Much like you and me and the fears and insecurities that we have and that we use those as excuses that we have to deal with. And so our, the very first thing that I have for you on today's outline is this statement. God's calling on your life is dependent on him, not on your excuses about what you lack. God's calling in your life is dependent on him, not on your excuses about what you lack. We're all wanting to make excuses about a lot of different things in our life. We always look for those opportunities to make excuses because we don't want people to really know our fears and our insecurities that we have. You know, and somebody's like, well, man, I really thought you'd be further along in your career right now. Then we throw out the excuse of like, well, you know, I'm I, you know, I've had a lot of people get passed, you know, I've been passed up for a lot of other people, you know, people that kiss up and do all these things, you know, never mind the fact that, you know, I was always the first one to leave early or the, la the one that showed up late or maybe didn't do all of my work on time. And we come up with these different excuses. Or if you're uh, one of these people that, hey, why, man, you, you were late again. And it's like, well, you know, I, I had a rough day. And it's like, well, join the club, right? We've all had rough days, uh, but you're late. Another one, it's like, man, it looks like you've gained a, a little weight. 
And it's like, well, you know, metabolism is just, just not what it used to be. How many times have I heard people say that? And like, do you know what metabolism is? Well, not really. Like, it was just this word we use. And, you know, oh, my metabolism, I just can't go through a bag of Cheetos and a two-liter Mountain Dew in a night like I used to, you know? And we make these excuses that we have uh, to come up with these things because we don't want to get found out, you know? The idea of, man, you look like you're losing your hair a little bit. Well, have you met my kids? You know, it's my kids' fault, the reason I'm losing my hair. Whatever it is, we're looking for these opportunities to make excuses. And because uh, excuses are something that's easy for us to do because we don't really have to deal with the, the struggle, the insecurity, the fear, the pain that we may be experiencing. And this statement that I have is that excuses are most often expression of our feelings of inadequacy, a lack of self-confidence, and an inability to own up to our personal mistakes and struggles. See, we don't want to get found out. We don't want to be found out that we're not smart enough, that we're not strong enough, that we're not the person that, uh, you know, is, is not good enough. And not, we don't want to be found out for the things and the struggles and the issues that we have. But what we are going to look at today is a passage of Scripture out of Exodus 3 and 4, looking at Moses, where he's uh, talking to God through the burning bush. Moses is, is receiving this calling from the Lord to lead the Israelites, to step up and to be a leader and to go and to lead them through the Exodus and lead them you know, into the promised land. He's given him this, this, this calling that's in his life. But Moses begins to make excuse after excuse after excuse. But every excuse that Moses makes, the Lord has a response. The Lord has a, a responding statement of his own sovereignty and his own power and his own will that he gives Moses and say, you might have this excuse, but I am this, but I have this, but I give you this. And Moses' excuses, as we'll see, sound a lot like our excuses that we use for a lot of different things in our own life uh, in today's world. And so I think this is going to be a really cool passage for us to be able to dive into in Exodus 3 and 4. And so what I want us to be able to do, though, is to lay out these excuses that not only fit Moses, but fit us. But not, and so we want to look at the excuse and then the, the but, the response. I have this excuse, but God, this. And so the very first one that I have for you today is that I don't have the credentials, but God is with me. I don't have the credentials, but God is with me. Moses is going to be saying here in just a moment that I don't have the external qualifications. I don't have the, the degrees. I don't have the job experience to do this. And he's proclaiming this to God, but God will ultimately say, I am with you, just like you. You may not have the credentials for the calling that you feel like God maybe has placed on your life. You may not have the credentials to step out in faith, but God is with you. So let's look at this in Exodus 3, uh, beginning in verse 11 uh, and 12 is where we're going to start. It says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God gives him this calling and says, this is what I am calling for you to do. I have sent you that you will bring these people out of Egypt and that you will serve God on this mountain. Moses had spent the last uh, you know, 40 years, he spends 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, he's now this shepherd of people, a shepherd of people. He's leading people in this moment. And God begins to speak to him through this burning bush. And like Moses, you may think that your weaknesses are too much or too many, that your resume isn't quite good enough. But it's important for us to all know this, God's resume is. His resume is. And that we receive that resume when we have faith in Jesus Christ. So how often in our life do we reject an opportunity because of a feeling of inadequacy? A feeling of not being prepared, not being ready. 
My daughter Carly uh, is six years old, and she's been swimming, uh, doing swim lessons for several years. And uh, this year we had the opportunity because of some of the coaches and lessons, the people giving her lessons, they said, you need to put her in a swim team, put her in a swim team. We're like, okay, you know, we know she can swim. And so uh, we put her on a swim team this year, and she was so nervous, so worried. She was anxious about how, how's this going to go? And I don't know what I'm doing. And I, what if I'm not fast enough? And you know, what if I sink? You know, I, what all these different things that she had come up with in her head. And so we get her on the swim team and she's real nervous and we get to that first race and I'm, you know, that dad, I'm down there, I'm like, all right, don't worry about anybody else. You know, like she's the first thing she's ever done competitive in her life. And I'm like, well, as soon as you hear the horn, you're going to jump in the water and you just swim until you touch the wall. Don't look at anybody else. Okay. 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 And so she gets there and I'm like, I'll meet you at the other end. And so I go to the other end of the wall, the horn goes off, she jumps in and starts swimming and she's kicking and she's swimming. And I'm, you know, I'm like, go Carly, go, 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 go. You know, and I'm trash talking Cindy in lane four and her mom like, yeah, you know, and like, go Carly, go. You know, and she swims and she swims and she swims and she gets to the end and she won the race. And we're like, whoa, like we were, no, we're going crazy and we're all excited. She gets out, she's like, did I win? We're like, yeah, she's like, okay. You know, but like, it was like just this moment of like, I was so pumped and like, I was ready to jump in and swim and race some six-year-olds. Like, it was this moment though, where she realized like she had done it. And it was all she needed where she's like, well, when do we do it again? I'm like, oh, like not until next week. And she was like, oh. You know, it was this moment of, of realizing that she had accomplished something that she was so worried about. But then she had the moment of realizing, man, I've, I've, I've done it. I was worried and I was scared, but I stepped up and I did it. We've also been teaching her how to ride a bike this summer. And that's been fun, you know, where she's so worried because she feels like she needs to be able to, you know, do it, you know, two wheels and like just do it without, you know, you know, step right on it the first time, sit down and, and go. And it, it doesn't work that way. And she's crashed. And so she's finally starting to get it where she wants to do it over and over and over. And so as a parent, we're giving her these great motivational speeches, you know, about like, you can do it. And like, you got to keep at it and all these things. And here's what I've come to realize. Adults. If we would only listen to the pep talks that we give our kids, then we would be much better humans and much better disciples of Jesus. Think about it. When we tell our kids, hey, be nice. Don't hit back. Don't hit anybody. When somebody does something wrong to you, you offer forgiveness. You love the person, even though they may not be your best friend, or you may have so many differences. We need to be able to live in a world that does that. and says, you know what? Faith like a child can work in the way that we apply it to our life as well. The only credential, like Moses, but the only credential that we need to fulfill our calling is a surrendered life to Jesus. It's a surrendered life to him. God's presence in our life is what we all need. And as a Christ follower, we have. People in the Bible like Joseph and, and the disciples and, and Joshua, they did amazing things because they knew that God was with them. And he's with you too. He's right there with you. So you may not have the credentials, but know that God is with you. God's presence in your life makes up for all of your weaknesses. The next excuse and response that we see is that uh, he says, I, you know, I don't have the credibility, but God provides for me. I don't have the credibility, but God provides for me. Moses had already said, I don't have the external qualifications. Now he's saying, you know, I don't have the internal qualifications. My integrity is a little shaky. My authority has uh, been diminished in these, day, these last days. Moses kind of has a bad reputation right now, and he's not well thought of by the Israelites. And as we go into this, in Exodus 3, 13 to 15, it says, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Well, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Credibility is something that's always been extremely important, but it does seem so maybe in today's world uh, more than we can remember. Remember when our yes meant yes and our no meant no. Remember when our, our word was our bond and all of those different sayings that we have. But remember when they were actually true. You see, nowadays we are so quick to attack someone for something they would say now because of something they said incorrectly previously. But yet we want everyone to trust what we say right now, even though we have also said in things incorrectly in the past. We expect others to be perfect in their credibility, but when it comes to us, we would continually expect forgiveness in the imperfection of our own words. What if we treated others as we wanted to be treated as well? You see, God tells Moses in this passage right here in Exodus 3, tells him uh, to tell them his name. He says, tell them my name. In my name, he says, I am who I am. The I am here is actually translated from the word, uh, the original word Yahweh. And Yahweh is technically translated in the word to be. And this is important because to be, meaning God is. He has no beginning. He causes everything to be. He is God. He is central to all things. And so the question that I have for you today is, is God central in your life? Is he central in your life? God is also saying here, right here that he is self-existent. He is self-existent. A.W. Tozer, a long time ago, pastor and author in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, says this. says, God needs no one, but when faith is present, he works through anyone. He doesn't need us, but when you have faith or when faith is, is in there, he is going to work through you. So God, who is majestic and he is mysterious, You will never have him figured out. If you can figure all the things of God out, then your view of God is way too small. We need and we want a God who is hard to figure out, a God who is mysterious and works in amazing ways that we can't understand. You see, God also instructs, not only instructs him to tell them his name, but also instructs him to tell them his word. Moses right here, he's, he's learning to be a prophet, to proclaim the name and the word of God. And so are we. You and I are alive to proclaim his word too. God promises that we will, people will listen when his word is spoken, when it's preached, when it's taught, when it's shared, and that lives will be changed and it will transform us as the ones that speak it, but also those the ones that hear it. It'll transform us. We're all commissioned to tell people who God is and what he has said. To do both of those things, who he is and what he has said, to tell, them, tell people his name and to tell people his word, his message. And to tell this truth is best done in the content of a relationship, a connection, a friendship that has love. Yes, we are to share truth, but we are to share truth with grace and with love. Let me make sure we're, we're clear on something here. Every one of us, myself included, we are all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. And as sinners, and everybody that's watching online or right here in person, you are welcome here. We used to say no perfect people allowed is a statement that we'll use every time, from time to time. No perfect people allowed. Sinners, you are welcome here. If you have a pulse, we want you here. If you don't have a pulse, you need to get to the hospital, right? Like, but if you have a pulse, we want you here. You see, there, there is nowhere else for people to go to hear truth like God's church, 
If people are not welcome in God's church, where would they go to hear truth? You got sin? We want you here. You got problems? We want you here. You got struggles, trials, temptations, fears, insecurities. You have those things? We want you here. The word of God is sufficient and powerful to change anyone's life, no matter their background, no matter their current situation, struggle and trial and sin, temptations they're facing. You're welcome here to hear God's truth and experience his grace and his love. The next excuse and response that we see here is, uh, I don't have the confidence, but God empowers me. I don't have the confidence, but God empowers me. Moses said, I don't have the the self-confidence to even think of doing this. God, like, I am not confident. I'm not worthy. I'm not ready to do this. And so he's struggling with self-confidence. Self-confidence is mostly, in most of our lives, built up by past experience, positive support, and perceived success. That's usually how we gain self-confidence. By the things that we have, we kind of have a, a track record in our experience. We have seen, uh, have received support. We've seen results happen. For me, for a long time, I've been uh, a really good golfer. Been a really good golfer. Now, my golf game over the last few years has steadily gone downhill because uh, I have kids, and there's the excuse right there. Like, it's gotten worse and worse. I blame my girls all the time. It's their fault. My golf game is getting worse. But historically, I've been a good golfer. I've had good scores. I've won tournaments. I even get asked to be on people's scrambles and their golf team, you know, to go into play with them because they want somebody that, that is good. And so I've had this perceived success and this, uh, this self-confidence in, in my golf game that has diminished over the last few years, but that's a different issue. But it's been this confidence that I've had built up in that. You see, Moses didn't have a good track record right here. He, uh, he actually was struggling with comments and he was losing the comments because he had led the Israelites out of slavery, but he led them into this desolation of the wilderness without food and water to where even one point, at one point, the Israelites, we would have been better off as slaves. At least we got to eat and drink water. You see, his track record, his resume, his credentials, his struggle, and everything is being found out. He was having a laugh of confidence. He was going through this, this self-confidence that he wasn't, you know, he just didn't have it. But sometimes self-confidence can be misplaced. It can be brought on or thought of in the wrong way. It can be, you know, perceived incorrectly. What I mean by that is it comes out of ignorance and maybe a lack of self-awareness. The people that have confidence in certain things that they shouldn't have confidence in. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? The first few weeks of American Idol, those people, you know what I mean? Those are the ones that have self I am the greatest singer ever. And it's like, your friends really need to be good friends and tell you you, you you stink, right? Like, that's the people. That's the kind of concept I'm thinking of here. But here's why I tell you this. Confidence, whether it's rightly received or wrongly received, confidence in itself, the point being is that this kind of confidence in self is meaningless when it comes to sharing Jesus, his name, and his word. It doesn't matter if you have confidence or not because what you are needing to realize is that you need to have confidence in God who is with you, who provides for you. You see, our lack of confidence in our faith can be an obstruction to sharing the good news and someone else even surrendering their life to Jesus. But confidence in the one who knows, the, who knows all of these things can be life-changing, can be life-transforming when we have confidence in the one who has created all of this. You know, if someone was dying of cancer that you knew, and you knew the cure and where to get it, would you not speak up about the cure to that person because you didn't know all the details? 
You didn't know the answers to maybe the questions they would have. You didn't know where the cure came from. You didn't know who created the cure. You didn't know how the cure even worked. But you knew there was a cure for cancer. Would you just not tell me because you didn't know? Well, what if they ask me a question? I won't know how to do it. No, you would go and you would drag them off. You would say, there's a cure. You can be healed. And you would drag them off to be cured by the treatment. That's what we're looking at here is that we have a cure for the world's sin problem and we're so scared to go and to tell people and to share the gospel with people because what if they ask me a question? Well, okay, say, well, let's find out together. Let's go together and let's find it out. You don't have to have all the answers to go and to share the cure with people. But right here, we only need confidence in the one who is in control, the one who created all things and saves. This is what Moses is beginning to realize in these moments as he's talking to God. So we're going to jump to Exodus 4, 1 through 5, and it says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You see, God empowers Moses in this moment. And he empowers Moses to do great things. He just needed to trust in him and his word fully. Same thing with you. God has empowered you to do great things, but you have to trust in him. You have to trust in his word fully and completely. One of the cool things about these verses right here is that we can see a really great message of leadership. In the sense that Moses has a staff, a shepherd's staff, not a scepter of a king. Because he had authority, but he does not rule like a dictator, but he rules as one who sacrifices for people like a shepherd. That's the way that he leads. Like a servant leader. Moses' staff right here is a sign of God's presence in his life. And a couple verses later, God actually turns Moses' hand leprous and then back as a sign of his power over sickness and death. And then a few verses after that, Moses, through God, would turn Nile water into blood as a sign of the coming plagues. You see, God has already done a great thing in you by drawing him to himself, drawing you to himself, and he's transforming you. And like Moses, these three signs that are in Exodus 4, our sign that we have, that we can hold on to, is an empty tomb. See, there's an empty tomb that Jesus, that we know, lived this perfect and sinless life and that he went to the cross and he took the sin of the world and that he died and that three days later he was resurrected from the grave, that the grave couldn't hold him down. The grave couldn't stop him. That he came out of this empty tomb and that there is no, he is no longer there because he is now alive. This is the sign that we have. This is the sign that we carry and say, you know what? I know that Jesus is alive and that I know that he is working in my life and that he is changing me and that he is transforming me. So God has already done this great thing, but God is empowering you to go on a mission for him. He's empowering you to live out your calling that's in your life. His power working in you will also be a demonstration to others of himself. Well, how do we demonstrate the power of God to others? The way that we love people, the way that we serve, the way that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We just, been, we just came off of a, our summer of impact where we had over 30 different mission projects this last month is we became the hands and feet of Jesus. And it doesn't just stop. It's not like, oh, it's July, we're done serving. No, we're still serving. We're serving this week. There's opportunities this week to serve because it's who we are as a church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus and we are placed in this community for a reason. That's to take the name of Jesus and his word out into the community through our actions of serving and loving our neighbors. 
The next excuse and response we see here is that I don't have the communication skills, but God speaks through me. I don't have the communication skills, but God speaks through me. This may be for you, maybe your excuse. You see, Moses is saying, I don't have the clarity of speech needed to persuade Pharaoh. For you, that may be the same thing. I don't have the words. I don't have the clarity of speech. I say weird words like y'all and dang and witchy did you. You know, like bring your truck, witchy did you. You know, like those kinds of things. Like you say weird, weird stuff and you're like, people won't get it and they won't understand me. But I know this, God speaks through you. He speaks through you in the moments when you think he's not and he speaks through you in the moments when you think he is. But the, the thing is, is that he always is speaking through you. Life change and transformation is not based off our ability to verbally persuade someone. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to persuade people. You know, Facebook's been around for like 15 plus years at this point. You know, millions, billions of people, whatever it is at this point, have been on Facebook. And every time there's a hot button, hot topic item that's on Facebook, and people respond with their view, their side of the story, and not in the 15 plus years and the billions and billions of comments on Facebook, has anyone ever been persuaded to change their mind because of your amazing response? It's never happened. Not one time has somebody said, you know, I think this, and you respond with, well, I think this, and then they come back, well, have you ever thought about it? And you're like, oh, he might be right. That has never crossed your mind. Nobody has ever changed it. We've never been persuaded in those moments. And here's the thing. If I can persuade you right now today to have faith in Jesus and to surrender your life to him, then that is not what we are trying to do because we are not here to persuade. Faith is not persuasion. Faith is a conviction of our heart that awakens life change. Because here's the deal. If I can persuade you to have faith and to surrender your life to Jesus, somebody else can persuade you not to. And so when I think about this, the idea that faith is this conviction, that faith is this, this gut punch to the heart that changes you and transforms you, that, that faith is, is this, this piercing of, of your soul that is deep down inside you, that's the word of God, that it comes into you and that it messes you up and that it changes you and transforms you and convicts you about the things that are going on in your life, the things that you see and the, all the, the people that you can connect with and that you can relate to, the way that you show compassion, the way that you show love to people, the way that you treat people and you begin to change that and say, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I need to do better. I need to love people better. I need to listen to them. I need to listen to their side. Yes, I need to share truth, but I need to do it with grace and with love and not with this, you know, condemning like attack at them. If you are not awakened to a changed life after meeting Jesus, then you may have never actually met him. If your life has not been changed after meeting Jesus, like you think you have, then you may not have actually met him. My hope for you today is that you would be able to recognize that and say, have I met Jesus? Have I actually encountered him? Have I actually surrendered my life to him? Because if I had, there would be life change. There would be transformation of who I am. You see, there had to be a transformation of the heart and the life when you collide with the Lord. It's what happens. It's the process. Exodus 4, 10 through 12 says, But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. What you may not know about Moses, that Moses actually had a speech impediment of some kind, but he was still effectively used by God to lead people. 
Your insecurity in speech or ability or clarity or even just the knowledge of the words that need to be said can show God's power even more as he uses you. You don't have to be the best communicator and speaker. You don't have to have the best vocabulary. I know the terms or the definitions of the things that are going on. What you need to know is that God is going to speak through you and he's going to share love through the way that you show love in your own testimony about a changed life, about a God that you know and that you love and that you serve. One of my favorite uh, shows in my lifetime is the show Seinfeld. Can you find Seinfeld fans? Yeah? Okay. Love Seinfeld. And one of, the, one of my favorite lines in Seinfeld is a quote uh, that Jerry says after looking at a, uh, a poll that was uh, done in the New York Times. And when he looks at the poll and it says that uh, the number one fear among people is public speaking. And number two is death. Number one is public speaking. Number two is death. What that means is like if you're at a funeral, more people would rather be the one in the casket than the one giving the eulogy, right? Like people are scared to death to stand in front of people and talk. And I'm not telling you like every one of you like needs to get up here and share a sermon. What I'm telling you is that maybe in the most intimate of moments in a coffee shop, in your living room, on the front porch, standing and talking to your neighbor, that you have the moments to share your testimony of a changed life and to share the gospel with someone because you know the cure for sin and it's Jesus. But will you take that challenge? Will you lift up this calling that you have and to go? See, being nervous about our ability to speak well of things of God is actually probably a good thing because it causes us to rely more on God in those moments. Our fear shouldn't paralyze us, but it should motivate us to feel desperate for God's help. Our confidence must not be in ourselves. It must be in God. And the last uh, response, or excuse me, excuse and response is this. I don't have the commitment, but God has sent me. I don't have the commitment, but God has sent me. Moses is saying, I don't have the right mindset to do this because I know that I am insufficient. And actually, in Exodus 4.13, he says, oh my Lord, please send someone else. God, send someone else, anybody but me. I don't want to be the leader. I'm not qualified. I don't have the credentials. I don't have the, the confidence. I don't have all of these different things. I am not equipped. I am not ready. So even in this last moment, he's still trying to hang on and give this one last excuse. Lord, please send someone else. Moses is claiming that he is insufficient, but God in this moment is proclaiming himself as self-sufficient. That he is, a, he is able to go and to speak through Moses. See, a commitment made to Jesus for the salvation of your soul, like you and I, if you are a Christ follower, have made, includes a commitment to be an ambassador for the gospel to lost people. That you receive salvation, but now you are to take that message. You are to take the name of Jesus and to take his word and to proclaim it and to share it with those that you meet. This covenant, like Moses makes uh, with God right here, uh, for us is that we enter into it with God through Jesus, and this includes a calling for us. You see, in life right now, every one of us has the opportunity to be, to, to be committed in what we are doing. If you're a parent, you have a commitment and a covenant made to raise your child in faith, to help them develop in their spiritual growth, to be a spiritual leader for them. Kids, students, Respect and obey your parents and adults. They're there to, to guide you and to help you along the way, to provide wisdom for you. If you're an employer, a boss, a manager, you are to lead your employees with integrity and character that is to be admired and followed after. If you're an employee, you are to listen to your, your boss with diligence and to be able to, to take what they say because they uh, ideally have what's best in mind for, for the position, for the company, for whatever it is in, the, in your workplace. And you're to listen to them as they lead. 
But we need to do this out of love and grace for each other. You see, God will do whatever he can to help you in your calling, but you must be fully committed to it. Christians, those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, you received salvation. But you need to show your commitment through continual investment into God's mission here on earth in a way that you serve, like we just talked about, but also through Bible study, personal Bible study. Listen, if the only bit of Jesus you're getting is this hour we're together on a Sunday morning each week, you are missing out. You are missing out on it so much more. There's a much more of a, of a fullness that comes through personal investment in your own Bible study and time with the Lord. Maybe you need to invest in being involved in a life group that are starting this, they'll come back starting this fall in September. We have life groups available for any you know, age and life stage and all those things. For some of you, the next step is to step up and actually lead a life group. To just step up and to lead and say, I would love to have people and to just to walk through these things. Again, you don't have to know all the content and information. You're just the one leading and facilitating the discussion and the time together. Well, in Exodus 4, uh, 15, it says this, you shall speak to him, meaning Aaron, and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. God has laid out the word, the people, the resources and opportunities for you to fulfill your calling, but you have to engage with it. We can't sit back and we can't keep making excuses about why we can't. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a quiet time with, with the Lord, any personal Bible study time with the Lord this week. I, just, you know, I had a rough day, I had to sleep in a little bit. You know, I didn't have time for a life group. You know, man, we got all this going on. We got, you know, uh, kids sports and we've got this and we've got that. And like there's my, my shows were on and you know, whatever it is your thing. And, and we continually make excuses when God is calling us to something so much greater and so much, something so much better than we are experiencing right now. And not only must we know God through Christ, but we must also elevate our view of God himself. You see, you'll not attempt great things for God if you do not have a great vision of God. God is holy. God is self-sufficient. He's eternal. He's mysterious. He's gracious. He's glorious. We have to elevate our view of who he is, and that'll push us to do greater things for him. To be able to push us to be a greater disciple of Jesus being a greater ambassador of the gospel here on earth. So in knowing God and elevating your view of God, realize that God accomplishes his purpose through weak vessels, just like you and me. And because of this, you and I can stop making excuses and we can start trusting his promises. One of the cool things if you know, about scripture is that all of scripture points to Jesus. In these verses that we just read in Exodus, the name Jesus itself is not mentioned. But all of scripture points to Jesus because Moses, in his story, Moses is the lesser Jesus. See, Moses is given this calling that he made excuses for, and he struggled in fulfilling that calling. Jesus had a calling and a purpose and a reason for being here on earth, and he didn't struggle with it. He didn't give up on it. He didn't make excuses, and he fulfilled it to the end. To die on the cross for the sins of the entire world, yourself and myself included question is, do we trust in that? Do we surrender our lives to that? Do we believe that? That's my hope. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that you would. But don't let me persuade you. Make it be because you have met and encountered the living Lord because he loves you, he's created you, and he has called you to himself today by having you here in this room or having you online to watch. So right now I'm going to pray. I just want to give you just a time to, to respond as we pray Uh, right now. And I just want to pray over everybody that's in this room as well as those that are online for us this morning as we wrap up. Father God, I just want to thank you right now for your word. 
Father, for the way that it speaks to each and every one of us, no matter where we are on our faith journey. God, right now, in this room and online, there are people here that have never surrendered their life to Jesus. They've been going over through the motions. They've maybe been checking off the box of showing up to church or watching church online, but they've never actually fully committed and surrendered their life to you. Lord, I pray that today they would quit making excuses, and today would be the day that they encounter you in a real way, that there's this supernatural collision that comes together and that they can begin to experience your love, your life, your hope and your grace, your mercy and your forgiveness, and that they would surrender today. Father, for those that are in the room and online watching today, Lord, that have a relationship with you, but God, they've been making excuses about fulfilling the calling that's placed on their life, the calling that every single one of us as believers has, and that is to proclaim your name and your word to the people that we meet, to live it out in our daily life, in our actions, and in our speech, whether we're a parent, a child, an employee, an employer, a, a, a sister, a brother, a friend. That God, we all have these calling on our life to live it out daily, the faith that we have and the faith that we know and that we trust in for our salvation. And that's my hope today, is that we would leave here beginning with a changed life to pursue after the calling that you have placed on each and every one of us. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.